since November 28, 1987, Kevin Williams has had a heavy interest in radio. Since the spring of 1994, he has been observing radio closely. Now, listen to Kevin Williams on the LDS Podcast. Here's Kevin Williams. It is the LDS Live Podcast on Sunday, December 10th, 2016. It is currently 4.04 in the afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. You can catch us on iTunes at the at LDS Live Podcast. You can also like us on Facebook at LDS Live Podcast. And you can also send me an email if you want a if you have a suggestion on about the podcast or who to put on. Uh, go ahead and send me an email, Kevin W at LDSLivePodcast.com. Today is going to be a different podcast. I'm going to be solo, which I have never done the LDS Live podcast solo. I've done a few podcasts solo, but not this one. So this will be very interesting. Um, so let's get started. I figured today I would tell you a little bit about who I am, since all you know is the interviews that I've done, unless you know me in person. But if you're just uh, new to the podcast or whatever, all you know are the interviews that I've done until this point. And uh, I think it'd be a good idea to tell you how I got started into podcasting, what this podcast is all about, and then I have something else I want to discuss. So let's get started. Ever since uh, November 28, 1987, I've had a huge interest in radio. Now, my parents uh, gave me a radio when I was six years old in the Christmas of 1986. It was one of those ghetto blasters with big speakers. It almost uh, it looked like it had big stereo speakers, but it was a ghetto blaster. And um, it was... And I had a good time with that radio. And I used to always wonder how the radio stations were able to broadcast to the radio. For the longest time, I thought it was people performing live, and then they'd go to different radio stations and perform. And I remember driving in the car, riding in the car, Thanksgiving, uh, Saturday after Thanksgiving, back to Ontario, Oregon, from Salt Lake City, Utah. And I asked my dad how this is done, and he told me that there were radio stations, uh, that radio stations have transmitters, and they transmit the signal, and that they have record players and uh, tapes to play the music and commercials. So I thought it would be really neat to be in radio. And I remember uh, that the following week I was at my brother's church basketball game. And the thought that came to my mind was, wouldn't it be neat to have a microphone here and a transmitter so I could broadcast the basketball game to uh, the radio? I could uh, still didn't understand a lot of it, but I just thought, wouldn't it be nice if I could just broadcast this basketball game on the radio? Well, when I was 14, I used to call radio stations and pester them and ask all kinds of questions, but that's how I learned about radio. This is back when... There were actually live DJs on the air, and I used to call them and just get all kinds of information about how radio stations worked and everything like that. Then, uh, finally, I got a job in radio in uh, college. I did college radio in 2006, I oh, know, 2005, 
And uh, during my college career, I had an internship at uh, Peak Broadcasting in, uh, in Boise, Idaho. Following that, uh, I, you know, I graduated from college, and then eventually I had a job at Key Talk. Well, uh, Key Talk was a good station. I learned a lot there, but I just wasn't getting paid good enough, so I got out of radio for a while. And uh, during the time in college, not only did I work at a college radio station, I also did my own podcast for a company called GCAST. It's G and then C-A-S-T. They're now defunct right now. But I I registered with them and got a podcast up and running and published that, uh, well, for a while, once a week. And then I slacked off for a while, then started doing it once a week again. So I've had a lot of experience being on the radio And I thought I would uh, do something a little bit different rather than being on terrestrial radio because, quite honestly, I'm very dismayed with how the broadcasting industry has gone. So I decided to get back into podcasting. This podcast, uh, the LDS Live podcast, came about because of a girl that I dated. And, no, I'm not dating her anymore, uh, but uh, I still like her as a person. And she came up with the idea that I had to do a podcast. And I told her that I've done a podcast before, but this time I wanted to do it right. And she persuaded me that if I never did it, I would never figure out how to do it right. So I figured she had a point. I've always wanted to get back into podcasting. So last year at this time, a friend of mine helped me get a website up and running. And I spent a lot of months just trying to configure the technical aspect of the podcast. And then, of course, uh, back in, I believe it was uh, February, we got this podcast up and running. So that's, and the idea of this podcast is to discuss things that are going on in the LDS community, the LDS culture, interview people that are in the LDS culture that are doing things like filming who are involved in politics, who are in radio, something that is making a name for themselves. It doesn't have to be all over the LDS community. It can be in a little section of the LDS community, like Cedar City. I interviewed Brian Hyde, who does the HD radio show, HD standing for High Definition in Thought. All right, I interviewed uh, Janelle Tobias. I've uh, interviewed uh, Matt Duhamel, who is not LDS, but he has ties to the LDS community, and he made a film about life under the horseshoe. So a lot of thing, a lot of people I've interviewed, and so today I just figured it would be a good idea to tell you a little bit about me and how I got started into this podcast. Now, um, you know, my childhood was uh, pretty normal. I don't, uh, many of you may know, I don't know if I've actually mentioned this on the podcast, I am a blind person, and growing up for me was pretty normal. I had a good childhood, good parents, and, uh, you know, they uh, definitely wanted the best for me. I played in the neighborhood with other kids and had friends in the neighborhood, a couple of few houses down. Uh, life was good. And then I got into uh, junior high, did wrestling, did track, and I was uh, born and raised in Oregon, um, and then I moved to Idaho, 
when I was in high school, uh, Boise, Idaho. And so you've got uh, all this about me now. And I just figured I would... Uh, Yes, I was born and raised in uh, Ontario, Oregon. Moved to Boise, Idaho uh, when I was in fifth grade. So now you know a little bit about me. I figured that was important because, like I said, at this point, all you know is the interviews I've done. Now let's get to the meat of this podcast. I want to talk about something that has been on my mind a little bit uh, lately um, as... Uh, as things have progressed in the LGBT community with the Supreme Court decision and all that. I'll admit, uh, when I first heard about gay marriage, I thought it was silly. And I am not in favor of gay marriage from a personal standpoint. In other words, I would never do it. I don't agree with the lifestyle. But I also believe in the fact of you know, if that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. I don't agree with it. I will never condone it. But if that's what you want to do, then uh, go ahead. Now, having said that, I am against the Supreme Court decision that uh, that ruled in favor of gay marriage last year just because of the unwanted consequences that could happen. For example, now we're going to have to allow polygamy. Now we're going to have to... and. Uh, I know it sounds far out, but at some point, uh, people will want to marry their animals. Now, we're not there, but I wouldn't be surprised if at some point somebody's going to bring that up. So that's why I was against the Supreme Court decision. What I'd like to see is states make the decision or churches. But nonetheless, my point is, uh, you know, the libertarian attitude in me just says, if that's what you want to do, have at it. Uh, I don't agree with it but have at it. But the uh, LDS Church, and for good reason, is against uh, the homosexual lifestyle, as I am myself uh, personally. Now, many people are wondering if the church will ever change its philosophy about gay marriages or anything like that. I don't think they will. And the reason that is is because that's been church doctrine since the beginning. Now, people say, yeah, but African Americans now have the priesthood. They weren't allowed to have it before. Yes, that's true. But what a lot of people don't know is there was a brief time in the LDS church history where, in fact, they were allowed to have it. And then Brigham Young put his foot down and said, no, we're not doing it. And then uh, in 1949, they made a church doctrine that uh, they would have that they wouldn't have blacks uh, receiving the priesthood. Then in 1978, the revelation came that African Americans could get the priesthood. And uh, we will never know the full reason as to why this was. Uh, I do know that there was a lot of animosity towards black people back in the 1800s, even all the way up into the probably 1960s, early 70s. And you have a lot of old stereotypes. Well, at that time, you had a lot of old stereotypes and whatnot. But the uh, Bible never did say that you can't marry out of race. Yes, I know the Canaanites and the, uh, the white people were not allowed to marry each other for a time in the New Testament. However, if you look, or in the Old Testament, I mean. 
However, if you look, uh, Moses married someone that was out of his race. That was Miriam. And some of that did happen. So, I think we're dealing with two different things because the Bible has always talked against homosexuality. Having said that, though, there is a website that the church has uh, launched, a f uh, what, a few weeks ago, about a month ago now, uh, regarding gays and Mormons. And I've looked at the website, and some people say, well, the church is too soft on this lifestyle now. I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. I think the church is trying to reach out to people who are having an issue with this lifestyle, who actually have homosexual tendencies, or they actually, you know, for one reason or another, they're gay because of genetics, or, you know, they think they are, or whatever. Whatever the reason, uh, they have homosexual tendencies. And so what the church has done is they made a website with people that have homosexual tendencies, some of them are still going to church. I think the whole idea behind this is they're saying it's okay to have these feelings, don't act on them. And what the church is trying to do is reach out. It's no different, really, than uh, those of us straight people who have feelings for the opposite sex, but we're not married to that person, therefore we're not going to, or we're not allowed to, fornicate. That's how I see it. And I think the church has done a good job in trying to reach out to the LGBT community. Let me just share you what I've read here on the website. And by the way, there will be a link to the website in the show notes. So let's talk about Lori Campbell. Lori Campbell was a person who played high school sports, and she had problems with drugs and alcohol. She enjoyed playing high school sports. One of the reasons she enjoyed playing it was because there were a lot of there were a few lesbians on her team. As a matter of fact, her coach was a lesbian. Uh, then she went to college, and much to her family's dismay, did not go into medical field. Uh, she went into journalism is what it looks like here. It didn't say what exactly she went into, but from the looks of it, it's either journalism or communications. By the way, that's what I majored in at Southern Utah University is communications. So, uh, Lori ended up dating a woman in college, got serious with her. They became uh, girlfriend and girlfriend. And then... Uh, she always knew that God wanted something. God didn't want her to live this lifestyle. But once you're in it, how do you get out of it? Very, very difficult. Uh, she said that she went to AA to get off of drugs and alcohol. And then she also uh, met with a bishop for three years to try to get out of this uh, the uh, LGBT lifestyle. And then uh, she said that she always knew that God did not want her involved in this relationship. And she decided that she could go to church. And after a lot of, I would imagine, I'd like to know what the conversations were like with uh, her and her bishop. That would be really interesting. Maybe I'll have her on someday. And she can talk about it. Um, but then she eventually got out of this relationship. And she 
found a guy that was really interested in her while she was going to church. She said, this guy, before you pursue me any further, you need to know this. And she wrote down her whole story on a piece of paper. And then she said, if you want, you can come to dinner on Sunday night. Here's the address. And if not, I completely understand. Well, much to her surprise, he did show up for dinner. And he put her arms around her and said, well, if only I knew this, I, I wish I would have known this. Uh, when you were younger so I could help you through this. And eventually they got married and now they have kids together. People will tell her that she sold herself short because she wasn't true to her identity. And she understands that. And she also says that it's what God wants, not what, uh, not what I want. Basically, it's not what it was said on the website, but that's basically what she said. Well... Uh, we go to another person named Andy Miller. Andy Miller is 21 years old. His mom and dad, or his parents, are Tony Miller. And he has a pretty dramatic story because he had... Uh, ho oh, one more thing about Lori real quick. She felt guilty about going to church because uh, she was molested at the age of 10 years old. So now let's talk about Lori. Or not Lori, uh, Andy. Andy was... Uh, uh, Andy's 21... He has, uh, his parents are Tony and Bill Miller, and he, uh, was, I, apparently, according to the website, they, uh, his mom and Tony were talking about some girl that, or Tony, his mom, and Andy, uh, and Andy, the son, were talking about some girl, and Tony asked, uh, why didn't you ask, why don't you ask this girl out, and then, I th uh, Tony's mom said, are, are you gay? And he said, yes. And Tony, uh, Andy, and the parents still go to church. The testimonies are strong. But uh, Tony said something really interesting. She used to go to the temple uh, asking, why is this happening? And she got an answer saying, instead of asking why, why don't you ask, how can I deal with this trial? Tony also says that uh, her and Andy have learned to laugh a lot and said that uh, his salvation is between him and God and she will be there to love him. Now, she's not going away from the church, according to this article on the, on the website, but it does make you... Uh, I think that it was uh, hard for her to grasp, you know, because uh, as Mormons, a lot of parents get this idea that, uh, oh, I'm going to raise a kid, uh, we're going to raise our kids, we're all going to get married in the temple. They become very idealistic sometimes. And obviously, with uh, the son Andy, things didn't uh, turn out how they were planned. And, uh, you know, uh, in Tony and Andy, or Tony and Bill's mind. You know, I have a lot to say about this. First of all, I don't think that we should be alienating anybody just because they're uh, gay, lesbian, whatever. I want to be polite, and believe it or not, I actually have a very good friend who is gay, who lives in New Orleans, Louisiana. I met him when I did training at the Louisiana Center for the Blind uh, back in 2004. 
very good friend of mine. We kind of agreed. We uh, had the unspoken agreement. We still do that uh, we just won't talk about the gay lifestyle. I won't persuade him in my beliefs. He won't persuade me with either. We just don't talk about it. We talk about other things, such as our experience at the training center in Louisiana, uh, such as technology, because he is a technology teacher in Louisiana at the Louisiana School for the Blind, so we have plenty to talk about. But I don't think that it's a good idea to be alienating somebody or disowning a family member because they're gay. That just turns them away. What did the Savior say? He who had not sinned, throw the first stone. And then everybody was quiet. Now, I'm not saying that this is a good lifestyle. As I said, I don't condone it, but at the same time, we need to be accepting to those who might be a little bit different than us. And by this time in our lives, we all know somebody who is either gay, lesbian, or transgender. I happen to know all three. Not the same person, but you know, I know someone who fits one of those lifestyles. And I'm sure many of you do as well. So the balance is, how do you accept this person, and how do you love this person without agreeing with their lifestyle? Now, as a parent, I think it's okay to set boundaries. I think it's okay to say, you and your partner, if you're going to stay overnight in our house, you're not going to sleep together because we don't agree with this lifestyle. That's up to you, the parent. But I think that's okay. I think it's okay. Um, you know, you definitely, I think it's okay to say to the couple, you're not going to hold hands in front of my kids or whatever because we don't believe in this lifestyle. What you don't want to do is say, you're not allowed to come to family gatherings anymore. You're not allowed to do this, this, this. The list goes on and on and on. That just causes a lot of harm to that person and will steer them away from you, the parent, and the church. And I think that's one of the reasons why the church came up with this website is because we are not, uh, as a church, alienating gay people. There might be members who are, but as a church... The church is going out of their way to accommodate or to uh, reach out to the LGBT community. So, and this is a very interesting subject to bring up at this time. Because when I was in high school, if you were homosexual, you were made fun of quite a bit. Or you were talked about in a negative fashion. And I think it's interesting that the church put this out right before the holidays. Because, as you know, the holidays are coming up. And things like this come up in realistic situations where you have real staunch Mormon families that are living the gospel and then one of, their, one of the kids is either gay, lesbian, transgender... This is a very hard topic to discuss amongst families, but it has to be talked about, especially if a family member is in the LGBT community. Now, if I had a son or daughter that came to me and said that they were gay, I would sit down and have a long conversation, 
I would take them to counseling. I would not throw them out. Uh, I would accept them. I would uh, take them to counseling. As uh, I have this conversation with you all, the thing that comes to my mind is uh, Jeffrey R. Holland's talk in 2015, April of 2015, where a son was gay and after a lot of counseling and everything, he came out of it. Now, I'd really like to have an interview with this particular individual on the podcast as well. And it's hard to know if somebody is homosexuality, or if someone's homosexual because of genetics, or if it's just in their head. In other words, it's hard to know if they are homosexual or not because it's genetic or they think they are because they were taught that they must be. Let me give you an example. Let's suppose that you grew up in a very traditional household where it was not cool for a man to cook or do domestic work unless it was maybe the dishes or cleaning off the table. Outside that, well, barbecuing or smoking meat could have, might be an example. But outside of those areas, uh-uh. Nope. It was the woman's job to cook, the woman's job to do laundry, the woman's job to clean up your alleys as a kid. It was the woman's job to put band-aids over the kids. Heaven forbid if a man did it. Now, I realize I'm being extreme in this day and age, but it has happened in the past. Well, a, uh, an atypical kid comes along that uh, you've been raising and this kid happens to be a boy maybe when he's a teenager he likes to cook he doesn't mind bandaging the little kid's wounds or whatever he doesn't mind putting band-aids over the wounds he doesn't mind doing his own laundry and possibly his sibling's laundry well, then the husband finds out about this and just tears him up one side down the other. Oh, you can't do this. This is a woman's job. If you'd keep doing this, there's something wrong with you. You might be gay or something like that. So the uh, high school kid or the junior high kid tries to go hunting with the dad so that he can feel normal. But he's just not interested. Uh, maybe the high school kid tries to do a lot of yard work. Maybe he's interested in that. Maybe he's not. The dad tries to get him to do woodwork or things that guys do, stereotypically speaking. Uh, make cabinets. Spend time out in the wood shop. But he's just not interested. He would rather be in inside cooking or doing laundry or some of the domestic things. So, yeah, and, and the dad makes sarcastic remarks or just wonders if he's gay and then the high school kid that we're talking about maybe he gets into acting in theater and is around a lot of gay people so he thinks he must be gay so he comes out of the closet one day and says I'm gay okay was that learned behavior from the traditional household or was it really genetics I think in a lot of cases, the homosexuality lifestyle can be learned behavior. Now, I'm not saying in all cases, but I think in a lot of cases, it could be. 
you know, if uh, you're around a bunch of uh, gay people a good chunk of your life, and you think you have to be that person to be a good actor or whatever. But I do know people who are born with very feminine traits. I had a friend in high school that cried a lot. He had a lot of feminine mannerisms, and he's not gay. Could it be that maybe his parents taught him that he was just born with those traits and he's still a normal kid and married a girl? I don't know how he's doing. I haven't talked to him in a while. But could it be that his parents worked with him on that? I would think so. Now, I, I don't know the extent of what him and his parents had that those conversations. I wasn't there, but I'm sure that it came up in conversation on occasionally. And I say that because I know this individual personally. So, it's hard to know if someone is a homosexual or not because of genetics or because it was learned behavior from a long time ago. In some cases, perhaps it was both. Well, this is going to be a short podcast. Coming up next week, I'm going to do a couple more podcasts. I'm going to, we're going to talk about finding joy in happy places, and then I'll have a guest on named Karen Miller. Karen Miller, by the way, is going to be doing the voiceovers on this podcast. I'm hoping to get a voiceover on this podcast. I'll have to see. She's already done. I'm trying to... I use a software called Goldwave to do the podcast when I'm solo like this. But then I also do a... uh, I also use a software called Tonal Recorder when I record conversations on the phone. Because what I do is I have a Skype account. And I tap into Skype with the software Tonal Recorder. Make phone calls or I'll interview someone on Skype. So we'll talk from Skype to Skype, and I use Total Recorder. So I'm going to try and put this voiceover in the podcast. And if I can be successful, uh, Karen Miller will be the voiceover of the podcast. In the meantime, folks, I will talk to you later. Have a great week, and we will meet next week and talk about finding joy in unpleasant circumstances that's what it was called and uh, this was a conference talk given in October of 2016 until then we will talk later folks